Well, I suppose Andy's unborn kid isn't going to have financial security, but they are going to have a video of the parent going round and round on a wheel oh. to, to teach them everything they need to know about courage and resilience. I am a bucket of emotions right now. All the money is going to Ceri's mom, kids, grandkids. So the big reveal here is that both Ceri from Traders US and Amanda from Traders UK, who of course didn't make it all the way to the end, but she almost did, are grandmothers. I think a stealth somewhat youthful-seeming grandmother, so far is faring very well. Do you think my sister should go on it? I was going to say, your sister and I are exactly the same age. We were born within hours of each other, and she recently became a grandma. She has quite a different vibe to both Sari and Amanda from Traitors UK. I I don't know that she would slip under the radar in quite the same way. No, I don't think... (laughs) I mean, she's built for reality TV. She's built for reality TV. I don't think she's built to slip under the radar. Now, Quentin never said what he would have done with the money, did he? It raises this other issue, which I really respect about the traders as a brand. Unlike almost any other reality show that I can think of, bringing in the players' backstories is not really part of the equation. To its credit, to its credit, because uh, as you've said before, you can get to a state on these shows where the fact that somebody works in a supermarket is their sub story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have to work. A little. So maybe Quentin would have done something terrible with that money. Maybe he had a bad idea for a startup. Oh, man. I've not had a bad word to say about Quentin. Well, no, I have, which is that I don't think his people reading skills are particularly good. But he seems like someone who might have a bad idea for a startup. I think he has to stick with political consulting. We should start with The Departed. Mm-hmm. So in order, Stephanie... I was glad to see her not in the final. Yeah, I feel no ill will towards Stephanie, but neither did I, as a viewer, connect to Stephanie. She was a bit of grit in the... What do you have grit in? Is it an oyster? Oh, yes, grit in the oyster. That sounds right. You don't hear that saying enough. No. Let's bring back grit in the oyster. Do you enjoy an oyster? I used to eat oysters, but the thing is, I am an emetophobe, diagnosed fear of vomiting. There was a time where I went out with my friend. She and I, as our starter, splitted some... Splitted? We splitted, did we you? We splitted some oysters, had a lovely dinner, said goodbye, and then... Dun, dun, da. Is it... Dun, dun, da, or is it... Da, da, da. Dun, dun, da. That, that's the one. She vomited in front of her doorstep... And it was 100% because one of the oysters was off. And after that, I was like, I'm done with oysters. Russian roulette? Yes. Um, Just to pay our respects to Stephanie, I really think she went big hair, don't care in her final video. I used to sing a song when I was at university with this friend of mine who would straighten her curly hair. And as she was straightening it, she would go, defying the Lord, straightening my hair, defying the Lord. And I think, Stephanie, you were defying the Lord by straightening your hair. Bring back those curls. Bring back those curls. Bring, bring, bring. I'm doing way too many songs. Now, next on our In Memoriam list. Christian. Dang, dang, y'all. A, I couldn't quite figure it out, but I think his exit was dang, dang, y'all, A, which I spelled E-H. You should try and trademark that. Oh, my God. Now, 
as far as epitaphs go, I think I feel bad for all the lies are told, but I feel more bad that I couldn't actually get the money. Said through hysterical tears. <laughs> you know, I've been on such an interesting journey with Christian. That journey was accelerated yesterday. Go on. So by now, you have quite possibly heard our conversation with Michael. Yes. What did you think? Loved him. Very charismatic and warm. And on the show, you got the impression that he was this coiled up ball of perhaps aggression who, who would make any room feel weird. We talked to him yesterday. He was warm, he was charismatic, he was funny, he was self-effacing, self-aware. He just sort of seemed like whatever idea I carry around in my head of like a nice southern gentleman, I guess. You're imagining Colonel Sanders, aren't you? Yeah, not a Colonel Sanders <laughs> one, but someone a little bit more up to date. Anyway, as, as things were wrapping up, he was telling us uh, which contestants he's in touch with. There's a group chat for all the quote-unquote civilians. What's interesting is that it just the fact that the civilian WhatsApp group exists proves how sort of other yes the select you know that there was some kind of vibe in that house. because, because the, the civilian been. group what, what, what there definitely isn't is a no celebrities rule yes <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly what i was trying to get at so as we were wrapping up with michael he, he's telling us who he's in touch with and he says oh you should speak to christian and at this point, when I become obsessed with the show, that, that is like saying, oh, you should get Bob Dylan on the pop- yeah, podcast yeah, yeah, because exactly. he's sort of the breakout civilian star of the show. And I think no, no way is that going to happen. He's going to have publicists. But it turns out people who go on reality TV shows are very excited to get to talk to you. <laughs> we're going to put out that conversation pretty much in its entirety later. But we thought since we are paying our respects to Christian at this point in the podcast, it would be fun to hear a little clip of it. Oh, my God. Dreamy. How's it going, everyone? I appreciate y'all having me on. Sometimes when I hear you speak, your voice is kind of a bit gravelly, like <laughs> like uh, Batman, and then other times it's not. It's, it's hit or miss, man. We've been on a wild ride with you. I think initially we thought, <laughs> who is this infuriating man? And then I started saying to Sarah, I think I quite like Christian. I think he's a good guy. And then you went and blew it all with that power play in the breakfast room. I mean, are you a wild card in real life? Are you, are you an erratic man? Um, if you pay attention enough in the first episode, I say my whole plan is I'm going to be the dumbest van life guy that you could possibly know. Like, I wanted to be, even in our downtime, I kept that energy up, which was incredibly hard because I am very outgoing, energetic, but I don't overdo it to that extreme level. It was very hard to keep that up every day. Like, you know, if you read Twitter and stuff, it's like, this guy won't last. He's an idiot. And I was like, my name never got brought up barely ever at a round table. So there's a method to the madness to say. And often I'm watching these shows and I'll see something like the round table in the traitors. What is that like? That room, what people don't realize that round table room sucked. It was like, 40 fucking degrees. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. It was like 40 degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 fucking fucking degrees. Okay, yeah. It was like 40 fucking degrees. You were fucking freezing. They would play this song from the Hunger Games. I just think about it. I get goosebumps. It was so uncomfortable and so dry. That's why you see people like licking their lips, drinking water. I was like, fuck this. Do you think they're doing that? That's part of it. They're creating an environment where you're feeling uncomfortable in your own skin. I personally do. That was a mental warfare game and it wore on me, but Having my military training, I was like, I know this is just a mind game. Like, I get it. When you guys are having those, like, murder meetings in the turret, how long do those go on for? I would say on average, 
anywhere from like 30 to 35 minutes. Wow. We would get back. It'd be like 3 a.m. Traders were going off three and a half, four hours of sleep. Oh, oh God. Wow. What was the hotel like where you actually slept? It was like prison. I didn't have a watch. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have anything. I had a TV and it was just basic television. So did you get into some good British TV programs then? Yeah, you were here? I did. The Naked One. Oh, Naked yeah, Attraction. Naked Attraction. Yeah. Classic. When I first watched it, I'm American. I was like, this is fucking weird. And then I was like, hey, yeah. this is fucking educational. This is really cool. Let me um, let me ask you about the, the, the night you get the tap on the shoulder. We sat down. Alan did his thing. There was like fucking multiple people running around and walking around. Because it would be way too obvious to hear his footsteps. Oh. It was intense, you know. Like, I just wanted to get the tap. And what did it feel like when you did? It was awesome. When do you get to be a villain in reality TV. Did you exactly know what you were letting yourself in for? I didn't know what I was getting into mentally. You get these interviews with psychiatrists, psychologists, but specifically for the traders, like it looks like I'm having fun because I played my role. But when we would get off camera, I'd have to get dragged up to my room because I was so mentally fucked. You're lying to people. You can't tell anyone about it. If you look, you can see I get like I'm massive pimples coming. I'm so stressed out. I didn't shave. I put on 18 pounds. I had to stay in character of who I was. I had to be the dumb, loud, annoying guy. What happens in a given morning where you go, I'm going wide brim today with my big wide brim hat? To be fair, the wardrobe would choose what you had to wear or a combination of it. From what I packed and brought, that hat a uh, company gave it to me. I don't want to say them because they're not paying me. God, and, uh, you work that shit, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You they're, they're, work that shit. How much of an us and them was there, not between the traitors and the faithfuls, but between the people from reality TV and the, the so-called civilians? Yeah, definitely felt segregated as a cast when we first showed up. We just kind of felt like we were like thrown in the pond with a bunch of sharks. Who are you texting every day? Um, I'm close with a lot of the cast, honestly. We have a group chat on Instagram. Instagram with all the civilian people. So we do talk every single day. Do you know if there's a non-civilian group chat? <laughs> don't know. And I don't give a shit. Can I ask, just ask you one last question? And, just yeah. something that concerns me slightly. Are you planning a real murder? Because there, there was a way in which you were saying, oh, I just can't wait to murder somebody. Mm. That made me think this, this man has bloodlust. No, I, no. The reason I say that is because it's the end of the night. I get to fucking murder someone and I get to go to bed. So I'm so excited. I'm like, let's go. Let's get this done. Like, I'm so pumped. I can sleep and then I can think about the next day. Whereas to everyone else, it's like, this guy just loves to be a dick. And it's like, yeah, that was my role. I did. I loved it. You'll be able to listen to the whole thing later. And we're so grateful to Christian for oh. his time. What a star of that show he was. Yeah, and he really delivered as an intro. I don't, you know, you never want to oversell these things, but I felt he wasn't a reserved talker about all things traders, which of course made him a, a great and easy interview. Next, we lost Kate, which. <sighs> I, I feel sad about, but I also think she shouldn't have been in the final. I just wanted yeah. her on my television for longer. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but so we, actually, we, we got a lot of Kate. I was thinking to myself, you know what? She went out at the perfect moment. But actually, I would not have minded seeing her in that like fire circle or whatever they call it. I would have liked to have seen who Kate was stripped of one more layer of whatever it is she puts on for the cameras. I don't want to see that. I just want to oh, see really? it. I just want to see it being funny. You really yeah, don't want to yeah, see yeah, how she behaves yeah, under that kind of pressure? No, I'm not interested. How interesting. 
want people to stay in their lane to some extent. It's the reason why I don't like to watch a sitcom and have a sentimental story in it. If I see a comedian being interviewed on a talk show, I don't want them to open up about the political opinions. I just want them to be funny. I agree with what you just said, but I think those are the wrong comparisons. I don't think like a comedy show that then is like, this is serious, is the same thing seeing like a different actual side of a human. No, I don't want to see that side. I just want it to be funny. Okay, fine. It's your opinion. Um, You think Alan broke character then? What I think is when it was him alone with Sari and he was essentially saying, you did it. Look at that. That's $250,000. I thought that was just him. It was a completely different thing to the big bad wolf, Richard O'Brien, Shakespearean actor with twinkle and eye that we've seen throughout the rest of the show. And so many great outfits from Alan in these last couple of episodes. Yeah, but I gotta tell you, I feel that this show is like the Sopranos of, you know what I mean? Like, this is kind of like best in its category. One of my complaints is it set me up to expect wonderful hat wear from Alan Cumming and then kind of petered off. Do you remember first episode where like he's going to be wearing a fascinator by the end? I, I do. I expected a crescendo that I was denied in terms of hat wear. Do you know, but don't you think that it, it didn't go for the obvious? It gave us something else instead. It gave us that pink suit and wellies. It gave us a royal blue cape. It gave I'm us not... a mustard yellow blazer and, and yes. the, the grey polo neck. Wonderful brooch. And I think oh, brooch, brooches, you would say. Yeah. No, we said brooch. It's Why just... did I think you said brooch? I don't know. That's strange. The outfit Fits were incredible. I'd be a moron to not acknowledge that. So I'm not talking about fashion generally. I'm talking specifically, they made me think I was going on a hat journey that I didn't get to go on. I was teased. I'm, s- I'm sorry. Forgiven. All right, I'm going to come right out and say it. Mm-hmm. What happened to Fergus? Go on. I don't think we saw him in the last two episodes, did we? I have him down for the hat watch. So I do think he appeared at some point in that challenge where they, when they go up into the helicopter. Oh, I feel like, I feel like it really minimised... His role, I don't know if he started asking for lines, if he demanded a pay rise. Focus groups took against him. I, mean, I think Fergus goes into the hat for Alan Cumming category. You set me up to think I was going to get a little bit more of him. But fair enough, you guys are balancing a lot of different pieces and I understand it's hard to put it all together. He peaked with his Chaplin-esque facial expressions yes, during the billiard was, room task. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that was us sort of going towards a crescendo, but that was the crescendo. Were there any hats? Have we got a final hat watch? Final hat watch. Christian, baseball cap. Christian, back to the wide brim. We talk about the wide brim hat in the interview. The bagpiper was in, is it an official bagpiper's hat? Like a guardsman's hat and kilt and sporran and all that stuff. I loved seeing a bagpiper. I just don't know why they couldn't have given those pipes to Fergus and then dubbed on the sound of the bagpipes. (laughs) Probably a musician's union thing. You know, there's like, there's some way of determining what the hardest languages are to learn. There must be a similar thing where it's like, this really is the hardest instrument to learn to play. And I wonder if it is the bagpipes because the breath stuff is so strange. It makes me feel like I'm watching like some kind of magic trick when the sound comes, but they're breathing in. Mm, Well, I don't think they're breathing in. There's the didgeridoo, which you might be thinking of, where you've got to do circular breathing. I happen to know about the bagpipes because when we were in Edinburgh for the Fringe Festival this summer, our son became obsessed with them and and we got a piper to explain how they do it. You inflate the bag, first of all, and then what your elbow is doing is slowly squeezing out the air to get that low drone. And then you are playing the pipes like you would another reeded wind instrument. That's interesting. <laughs> you don't think that's interesting? No, I actually kind of do. But then what I'm saying is is you're, you're still then hearing that noise. Yeah. While you watch them go... 
Am I alone in thinking that's an interesting visual? I think they are interesting <laughs> objects or an interesting instrument. I enjoy the sound of a bagpipe. Who doesn't? Would you like them at your funeral? No. Are your coffin piped in? I don't think I'm going to have a coffin. Oh, how are you just coming in au naturel? <laughs> are you coming in on a gurney? How, how are you imagining it? <laughs> Funerals are very different in the US and the UK. So, you know, I want to be cremated and then I want um, you to hold on to some, give some to my parents, some to my brother, and then throw a little bit off the Rockefeller Center. Is that because you love the show 30 Rock so much no, it's and because Saturday I feel, Night Live? No, it's because it's at a place on the island of Manhattan where I'd like my ashes to scatter. Huh. I like that it's like slightly farther north than the Empire State Building. When I said I'd, I'd like my ashes mixed in with yours. Oh my God, so oppressive. I think that's nice. We, if that's something you want, we can do that. Yeah, that's fine. But I don't want you to have my ashes mixed in with yours under duress. You're saying you want me to want it. Mm. This is like when I give you a blowjob. You want me to want to do it. <laughs> And I'm not saying I'm not like gung ho, but like I will. There is no resistance, but I'm not like ooh goody goody. On outfits, I did enjoy them all getting dressed for the final round table. Everybody looked pretty yes. glamorous. I have one criticism. I have one criticism. I wonder if it's the same one. Go on. Maybe we should write our names down. Uh, it's a shame we haven't got Wait, slate and chalk. No, but there are note cards. Okay, Sarah. Uh, after three, let's show each other. Who we've written down and... Three... We'll go three, two, one... And then read time. it out. Read it aloud. Three, two, one... Andy. Andy. Jinx, buy me a coat. I thought they looked a bit like uh, a, a semi-professional footballer on a night out at a local disco or a high school student in a production of Guys and <laughs> Dolls. And let, let's be very clear. Like, the only reason this is even coming up as a topic, is because Andy, throughout this entire show, has set such an incredibly high standard for themselves that you just think that in this moment, because Ari came out, and I've not thought nothing of Ari's outfits, and he came out in a gorgeous suit, like looking really, really good. And you think, oh my God, if that's what Ari can bring, Sari came out in this great, you think if that's what, what is Andy? Oh God, Andy is going to give us the suit of our life. And then it wasn't. And and I love good tailoring. Yeah, we you wouldn't know we to look wanted, at me. We no. Now I did did want to include this email that we received because it's our finale episode. When else are we going to do it? But it's it's not exactly on topic. It's actually about the UK series. This is from Verity Jones. Hello, Jeff and Sarah. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk very quickly about the UK series. Love the self-awareness. Of course you are, Verity. We're delighted that you've been in touch. Just whilst I'm catching up on the US one so I can enjoy more of the podcast. There was a moment at the round table when Aaron suddenly said amidst some chaos, really quickly, what about Meryl? So this is in quotes from Aaron. What about Meryl? She talks at a million miles per hour and always messes things up. Then Verity says, that's how I remember it. And it made me die laughing at how abrupt it was. It just burst out of him like he'd been holding it in for ages and couldn't hold it in for anymore. And also totally unlinked to why she would be a traitor. I just need someone somewhere to acknowledge that it was a really funny outburst. I keep quoting it to my husband and he is tired of this. Thanks, Verity. Verity, we are here for you. And I will say, mostly my Aaron feeling was that he was like a really sweet guy who was sort of burdened by his own attractiveness. I think a lot of ladies of a certain age took to him because he exactly straddled the line of being very good looking and just loving his mum and wanting to give a deposit for a house without seeming like a mummy's boy. Yeah, he didn't seem like a mummy's boy. Verity, thank you so much for your correspondence. 
be in touch again. Or not? Is that a dumb thing to well, say? I mean, we've, we've got the domain name for at least a year. Who knows when we'll check the, the uh, email address next, but be in touch because we will at some point. Every now and again. Every it, now and then we'll check. Just to remind you, it's hoods up at latesttraitors.com. That was very well said, my love. Well, even though we have the ultimate spoiler, shall we talk about the tasks? Sure, let's do that. Um, Because I I enjoyed both of them. The first one was the sort of Mission Impossibly one with the lasers. And what about Andy's cat-like agility? Wow. It was unbelievable. They didn't win the $250,000, but I think they could go on to steal the Mona Lisa. Yes, I want to know what they do. If there's any way that we could talk to Andy... What I would want is a minute-by-minute breakdown of what they do exercise-wise. There was this one bit where it was like they were scuttling like a lobster. It was it was unbelievable. It w- yes, it was scuttling like a lobster. That's like, or like a crab almost. Mm. How did they do it? And are they born with it? Are you are you suggesting that's how they exited their mother's <laughs> vagina? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the implication. <laughs> they scuttled out. It was also spectacular the way Christian was like, I got this. This is my thing. I'm gonna do I run every day, I do yoga. yoga. I'm gonna have this in the bag. He was out in a second. It made me think I was uh, glad they didn't send him in to get bin Laden. <laughs> we wanted Andy in on that one. The one thing that made me think that maybe I would have been okay with the lasers is the way in which I sneak out of our son's bedroom. <laughs> At night, when I'm not 100% sure he's asleep yet. Yes, but the thing is, is what that's about you slithering on your ET belly, yes. whereas you would there would have been more movement. The other challenge was the one at Lock Glass. And I love this in the UK version as well. The moment when they first see a helicopter, I love thinking that there are a bunch of simpletons who've never seen a helicopter well, before. What I loved about that is that Sari at one point was like, I'm just a nurse from Jersey. I was like, who's been doing reality TV for 20 years? I did think at some point she said, I'm not one of these people with a house in Hawaii. I rent. And I thought, you need a better agent. If you've been on television that much, you could be doing appearances, endorsements. You must be able to make a decent living out of that. Of course, everybody you see on TV isn't made of money. No, And and people make poor financial decisions and have different relationships with money. But I I just think that if you're Siri, you could be going to some nightclub and throwing out promotional t-shirts for a yes. few thousand dollars. Yes. I think she could do motivational speaking. Oh, she could, yeah. About endurance, team building, backstabbing. <laughs> motivational speaking. I'm going to do a TED talk about the merits of backstabbing. She's going to do a TEDx talk. <laughs> How to backstab likably on reality TV. You seem quite vindicated that they've made Alan Cumming pronounce buoy the American way, which is buoy. Yes, you always make fun of me for pronouncing buoy buoy. No, I make fun of Americans for pronouncing boy buoy. Fine, but then they made Alan do it. And I went, he went buoy, and you went, because they told him to. <laughs> There's no such thing as a buoyancy aid. But you also don't urine into a urinal. I do, actually. Okay. You seem surprised as well to see uh, Kate as one of the designated swimmers. It felt like throwing herself out of a helicopter into a freezing lake would be the kind of thing she would not do. Oh my God, I have to say something. That challenge, someone, and I don't clock who it was, referred to greased lightning. It was Alan. It was the, the moment in my life where I understood what greased lightning meant. 
So like lightning is this incredibly fast thing. And, and it's been Greece to make it even faster. I've been obsessed with the film Greece since I was seven years old. And I've never, ever thought about Greece. It's Greece. Oh, I love lightning. that. I, I love that. And it was a moment where I went, oh, greased lightning and i thought this is why alan cumming is like one of the great actors because he's making me like take the language in in a way that i haven't in 37 years i felt that Sari, andy and quentin dominated the task so much it pulled focus away from some of the stuff that kate was getting up to which was really excellent i don't think i even noticed at one stage she was shouting something like tell them to find it faster tell them to find it faster like that ever works Somebody standing over your shoulders going, do it better than that. Do I it better know. than you. Calm down. Calm yeah. down. You're calm pushing yourself down. to a limit here. Can you not just do it a bit better and faster? I know. But they're under such pressure, aren't they? I know. What were they competing for at that point? Like $43,000. I wonder what that amount of money feels like to Kate. Well, it was to, it was to get that prize fund back up to yeah. a quarter of a million, wasn't it? Which, which renders every other task kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought the wild boars were a bit underused as well. but Yes, an underuse of wild boars. Mm, mm. Any stray thoughts? before we uh, bring this home. You know what I would have loved to have known? Andy's two-camera moment. You know, Kate has hers from the bath, that kind of thing. Andy's was Andy with a book. Very thick, old book. Hmm. And I'm saying this without exaggeration. I bet my literal life on the fact that Andy has not read that book. (laughs) But I bet my literal life Kate didn't stay in that bath. No, but what's interesting about that is Kate, we can picture the version of Kate that was being presented to us on television as a woman who likes a luxurious bath. I don't picture that Andy's character is a thick book. But they're going to be a reader. Are they? Quentin looking to camera playing chess. I half bought it. I half didn't. Political strategist. Oh, it's a metaphor. I'm an asshole. So they should have had, they should have really had Andy playing the harpsichord or something then. Because they're a director of music services, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, like direct director of music services. It's like if someone were to give you their phone number without an area code or something. I need to know. I need to know. I know that they're, they think they're from or they live in Reno. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. There was a moment when Christian was left alone and he put these deer antlers on his own head. Oh, yes. I was wondering if that was an example of like someone who is a true extrovert. Like they are so at a loose end when they have to be alone with themselves that they start putting animal fixtures on their heads. Again, save it for yellow jackets. I've got a couple of Kate lines that I wouldn't mind you giving us a reading for. I've circled them on these. Jeff, it would be an I've circled them on this piece of paper. Okay, okay. You sabotage one little task and it's all people remember. It's great. It's it's the same structure as, I I think, one of my favourite jokes ever, which is, you fuck one sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Whose joke is that? It's it's, It's like one that's one of those commonplace jokes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Let me try it. Let me. You sabotage one little task, and it's all people remember. I I preferred you. I preferred your gut instinct. This is my problem. Unlike Christian, you should trust your instinct. And then, then the other one. I guess we'll never know how well I play the bagpipes. When did she say that? It was in the laser test when she didn't retrieve the bagpipes. Oh, my God. She is so funny. So funny. Um, The only other stray thought I had is, should we get a peacock? Where will we keep it? What if we kept it? I mean, this would be animal abuse, which doesn't really work for you or me. But what if we kept it in the front garden instead of replacing our hedge? (laughs) 
what what why is it that a peacock spreads its tail what motivates it to do that is it scared is it feeling fertile what's going on i I thought it was about attracting a mate but i also wonder if they do it to make themselves appear big if they feel threatened so how about we get this peacock we make sure it always feels threatened and then we don't have to replace our front hedge how do we stop it Breaching the perimeter. How much do peacocks cost? It's a good question. That is one expensive looking animal. What nature has created is so incredible. (laughs) Well, should we move on to the, I can't remember what they're called, the fireplace. I fell into the burning ring of fire. So here we are. They're given champagne. Unlike the British version, the champagne doesn't have strawberries in it, which is only a good thing. Only a good thing. Come on, Britain. Get your act together and get the strawberries out of that champagne. We should be looking down our noses at Americans yeah, for doing that kind I of fe- thing. That's, I think that's right. Yes. I think the American version should have the strawberries. We should have a classy, simple glass of champagne in the UK version. Let's talk about how it played out. I really want some of that stuff you can throw into a fire and change the colour. Oh, my God. That that'd be fun. that be so fun? fun at barbecue. Um, I wonder if that's real or if they had three fires. No, it's, it's real. Oh, <laughs> okay. I guess there's an easy way to find out the answer to that question. Yes. So uh, this is obnoxious, but here it goes. I definitely saw um, Ceri's move coming. Yeah. She was going to throw that guy under the bus. And, mm. and I uh, don't blame her for it. So his response is actually the more interesting thing. What did you make of it? I think he was trying to seem like a good guy mm-hmm. whilst giving them enough to go on that there was a traitor in their midst. Interesting. I think him mentioning the late recruitment and him very pointedly saying good luck was him saying, you're about to get shafted. Oh, interesting. I feel that it was him going, look, I I don't need this money. This is going to make me look good. You're you're trading on this kind of currency of being memorable. This makes him memorable. And I thought it was a very, very, very strong move for him. I think we would have been happy had it gone to the Faithfuls. And I think we were rooting for Saree. Did, did that change at all at the last moment for you? Did I stop rooting for her? When you saw Quentin and Andy's faces and the excitement that they thought it's, it's us pure hearted few left and we're going to split this prize. Did any part of you hope that they'd sniff her out at the last minute? That they'd take Ari's yes. clue. Yes, I think I did hope that. Once Ari was gone, there was a beat where you went, I think Andy just clocked something. Mm. And it was, it was, you know, that part of what I thought was so fantastic in the UK version was when Hannah, after just an entire series of being like, Wilf, 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 Wilf. She suddenly went, wait a second. Yeah. And it was such a fantastic piece of television. And I, I wanted that same beat again. So I think at the very end, yes, I wanted suddenly Andy or Quentin to go, wait a second. But I'm not trying to be too difficult. It was a That was an incredibly dramatic and satisfying finale. So ultimately, that's a win for all of us. It was very strange to see somebody win a quarter of a million dollars and the atmosphere be so un- uncomfortable initially. Yes, but then not hostile. And I was so curious on the way that Andy processed that betrayal because we're using this word betrayal. Oh, I was, oh, you know, I th- was, was our interactions authentic? It's not about that. It's about the fact that we assume that both Quentin and Andy really had it in their heads that they were about to get around $80,000. And then imagine 
the rage that you would feel. I think I saw that rage on Andy's face and then they they found it in themselves to be magnanimous enough to say, I'm going to make eye contact with you. I don't hate you. But the ability to actually let that anger go... God, I would love to be involved in Andy's therapy sessions, assuming they're having any. I'd love to know how long that sequence was in real life, how long it took her to, yes. to get there. Oh, my goodness, to know what that unedited footage looked like. I also, I happen to think that Andy and Quentin specifically, as the fining remaining individuals, they are so TV ready. They are both so attractive. They both dress so well. I think a lot of opportunities are going to come to those two. So maybe they're... I don't know. I think... I'm not sure that we're going to see that much more of Andy. They've got the face, but I'm not quite sure that they've got the charisma. But Quentin, I I would cast that guy as the next James Bond. Yep. If they haven't already. So... As it sunk in for Sari that her strategy had paid off and that she'd finally won. Did it feel jubilant? Do you think they could have done with some fireworks going off? This is what I was just sort of thinking about the fact that we're inching towards the end of this podcast. And I thought, I don't think we have a a bang to go out on. With a little bit more forward planning, both the show and this podcast could have benefited (laughs) um, from uh, maybe ending with uh, Fergus streaking through the middle of things. Is there a way that we can do a sort of podcast streak? version? A streak? Of, can we? I mean, do... I am wearing a dressing gown as we record this. Do you want to just... streak around our turret? The thing is, is you walking around mm. our house naked mm. at mm. any hour of mm. the day is very unsurprising. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a theatre of the mind that people would be wanting to buy an admission ticket for. They should be so lucky, my love. Mm. And we will be back. Will we? Yeah, the, I, I bet they'll do a celebrity version or something for comic relief or children in need. And then there'll be a real new series in the autumn slash winter. Just to give us an out, shall I give you a couple of Alan lines to deliver theatrically? Oh, please. Um... Once more into the breach, dear players, once more. This is so traumatizing. Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Thanks for listening. <laughs>